0: Welcome to the Trip Radio Podcast. This is Mick, and I am on the line with Dan Sullivan of Arriver. is your sheltering at home going? Have you been able to shelter at home or have you been forced back to work? All things considered, I think we're doing really well. It's
1: just me and my wife here in our house uh, on the west side of Chicago. I own a custom fabrication business and we had a couple of weird weeks where I had to furlough people, but um, pretty much everybody's back in the mix and uh, not all our projects dried up. So we're we're busy at the, for the time being and I truly hope it continues to be that way so how long how long have you been in the custom fabrication business uh, more or less since i moved to chicago so uh, i moved here and, and got a job working at the art institute which is where i met my wife adria soto and she uh, was getting her master's degree and um and then from there i started working in galleries and uh, museums and on a trim carpentry crew and with uh art installers and riggers and then uh in a shop where I learned how to build uh, cabinets and built-ins and then from there I started my own business and um it's been one thing after the next one project leading to the next we're we're doing some pretty exciting things I mean there are a lot of other things to be stressed out about right now and 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 for me thankfully my business is is uh, solvent at the moment so yeah I mean it's it's strange man it's like um driving downtown and, and going to neighborhoods where we, we do a lot of work and it's a little sad. I mean I'm, I, I feel the same as everybody else to see Chicago in the summertime, not uh, exploding with uh, street festivals and music festivals and sporting events, all these things that we just take for granted. live music, playing live music, you know these these are the things that um, brought me to Chicago in the first place,
0: you know is the music scene yeah let's let's talk about that single because it's it's pretty cool uh it's called holy glow it is a cover of a song from Theophilias. I think everybody's familiar with who the affiliates are not everybody why don't you, why don't you give us yeah why don't you give us the 411
1: <laughs> i have two older brothers one of whom plays in a river with me my brother rob and then my, my oldest brother andy uh went away to college in the 80s and and he'd come back and he had uh you know interesting musical suggestions you know things that uh, hadn't quite made it to the state of maine which is where i grew up and he was in Minnesota and in, in, in Minneapolis and had, a, you know, just a much more immediate connection to like college rock and college radio. And so he turned us on to Camper Van Beethoven, which is a band that I, I still really like. And the Monks of Doom were like a sort of a, an offshoot of Camper Van Beethoven and the lead guitarist, one of the lead guitarists, because there's two excellent lead guitar players in that band is a fellow named Dave Immergluck, and he played in this group called the Ophelias, which is a sort of a psychedelic glam rock band from San Francisco, uh, active in the mid to late 80s. And their music is rather uncategorizable. Definitely a lot of like uh, T-Rex and Bowie and Queen and... uh But then with kind of some heavy metal swagger here and there, and some bizarro, pagan-esque, sort of Shakespearean or William Blake-inspired lyrics and... Uh, some some very overt theatricality in the way that he sang. It really piqued my interest when I was uh, just learning how to to take the guitar seriously. Was to hear this player Dave Immergluck and this band the Ophelias, and so they always kind of stuck with me as as this uh, forgotten underground rock band. I think a lot of other musicians have sort of favorite bands that uh, no one else has necessarily heard of. You know, we we hold those dear to our heart and. Feel like we have our, you know, like a little secret, uh, treasure that other people kind of are, are not aware of.
0: It's interesting that you would choose a song like that. What is sort of stylistic or, you know, inspirational overlap between those two distinct genres?
1: Making sure that your vocal is, is very present and is, is generally speaking a very important part, the focal point of the song. You know, none of us are, um, you know, particularly fantastic singers, but I think we have Uh, strong enough vocals that we know how to put them in the mix and really use that as uh, an element for storytelling. And, you know, folk music definitely requires a strong vocal. And certainly I consider myself an instrumentalist more than a vocalist, but always we knew that vocals were going to be the center point for our songs and that the songs and the structures of the songs needed to be challenging, but, but discernible. And, you know, as far as the song goes, it's, it's in 7-4, like, you know, it's kind of proggy. It's got like, uh, some pretty vicious, uh, like a heavy groove. You know, I think there's, uh. there's plenty about it that, that is very analogous to a lot of other music that we play.
0: And you have, you have a very progressive sound, which actually seems very common for, metal bands in Chicago. We have a lot of bands that even, even ones who you could consider more straightforward death metal. Why do you think Chicago is such a, such a fertile place for people to write uh, such progressive heavy metal music?
1: I think that heavy metal at its core has always been a progressive. Uh, art form and a progressive genre of music. There's there's a great deal of latitude allowed to the artist to bring in different influences, to sing in different languages, to play at different tempos. That, you know, it's obviously operating outside of the confines of pop music. That allows the artist to really try anything, <laughs> which is not to say it'll be successful or listenable. You know, you could have a a band that plays at blinding speed and you could have the slowest band to ever play music. And somehow they're both kind of considered to be under the same tent
0: right right so what is what is sort of the mood amongst um like yourself and the other you know metal bands in the city like is there any sort of competition between you guys like do you ever like hear something that like snow burial is doing and like oh man we gotta we gotta top that or or are you just really excited when you hear like a great metal record by like uh by a local band
1: it's awesome to go see a band and be like that's so good i i want to be better or as good or, or it gives me ideas you know of course that's what helps make uh, a scene so vibrant is is that community which i think is equal parts you know friendship and a, a little bit of hopefully friendly rivalry
0: are there any bands that like are not approachable
1: you know i mean every everybody is entitled to their own space especially when they're getting ready to perform a show and i never have i've never had a problem with anybody but you know metal and do metal and There's definitely a a misanthropic thread that runs through that. And and some people wear that on their sleeves and other people carry it inside. Not everyone is the friendliest person right out of the gate. And you sometimes need to win people over through keeping your mouth shut and having them respect your music. (laughs) You're not going to be chummy with them backstage, you know, sharing jokes or whatever. But that doesn't mean they're they're bad people or they, they don't they don't want to make a connection you know some some of the nastiest bands you'll ever hear you meet the people and they're the nicest folks right you know so it's it's really impossible to say
0: Pulling things back to talk specifically about your musical output, I'm really curious about some of the recurring themes that like occurred on like Emeritus and some of your past albums, a lot of which seem to focus a lot on uh, Russia. Why do you keep going back to that particular country for inspiration? What is it about that country that keeps drawing you in?
1: I'd like to say it's maybe somewhat of a coincidence that the two full lanes back to back are both the context of, of these stories is, is Russia. But but not fully. I think that to to imagine a story and a narrative in another place makes it seem more exotic, you know. Right. Uh, so I think w- we can tell a story about something that happened long ago on the opposite side of the world, and that's what Tsushima is about. Mm-hmm. It's about the Russian Navy Sailing all the way around continental Europe, Africa through the Indian Ocean, past Singapore, you know, past Korea to meet the Japanese Navy and then getting decimated inside of 24 hours. So, you know, like a eight month journey to, to have it all just literally go up in smoke in a matter of, uh, of a day is, is like a tale of incredible hubris and perseverance and insanity. We write albums around narratives, and my brother and uh, the other guitarist, Dan Cadamark, are both big history buffs. And so we'll be hanging out, and they'll be talking about some 600-page tome that they're working their way through that tells a sort of arcane bit of history. We'll find something there to latch on to. We've never wanted to write music that glorifies war or violence or oppression, but the music is such that it provides a good context to tell the story within the story. So with our next album, Emeritus, which is about Pripyat and the the Chernobyl Mm. meltdown, again, it's a story of of hubris and of lies and of promises, and then ultimately of rebirth. When humans create a space in which we are not physically able to exist, what happens to that space? Well, nature moves back Back in, in, right? I think that finding the resolution to that story, you know, you can tell the part about the heroism and the horror of the meltdown, but you can also tell the story of this sort of magical realism of the wolves returning to Eden. I think it's finding, you know, in, in both cases, it's really about the story more more than the place, you know, and the themes within the story.
0: Didn't Emeritus drop around the same time that HBO, that, yeah, that the Chernobyl, Chernobyl series premiered?
1: We've had a couple... Coincidences yeah. like that. We, we made a, an EP called the Simon Mann EP, which is about a South African uh, mercenary and, uh, his failed coup attempt, uh, of Equatorial Guinea. Mm-hmm. And right about the time we finished that, he was released from prison. So all of a sudden there's like, uh, this kind of synergy between his story and our album. And, and then with, uh, with Tsushima, our release was almost a hundred years to the day of the actual date of this battle. No way. Battle. Yeah, that's pretty, again, totally coincidental. And then with Emeritus, I believe it was an anniversary. I think there was, when did that happen? 1989. So I believe it was the 30-year anniversary of the meltdown. There are so many opportunities for you know HBO to come and license our music <laughs> for their miniseries, <laughs> and they, they just blew it. Uh, and that's on them. You know, it could have been... Better. It was good, you know, don't get me wrong. I saw it. Uh, but it could have been better. So I'll just leave.
0: Great acting, great story. Soundtrack <laughs> could have <laughs> music, little
1: little lacking.
0: Soundtrack could have been improved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dan. This has been a great conversation. Again, this has been Mick for the Trip Radio Podcast with Dan Sullivan of Arriver.